Good day. Welcome to another episode of the Audible Local Ledger Reads to the Blind podcast. You can get more information at audiblelocalledger.org. Stay tuned for today's reading. Hi, my name's Eric. I'll be reading you selections from the e-edition of today's Cape Cod Times. Today's date is February 23rd of 2024. It's a Friday, and we'll start with the weather, as we always do. Across the Cape and Islands today, we will have rain at times with a high of 47, a low of 33 in the overnight today with a little rain early on and then clouds breaking up overnight. Tomorrow, Saturday, Breezy and colder with partial sunshine throughout the day, high of 36, low of 18. Your weekend continues on Sunday with plenty of sunshine, high of 34, low of 29. On Monday, we're going to have a much milder day. 47 degrees, the expected high, 33 the low in the overnight. It'll be milder with clouds and sunshine. And then on Tuesday, again, a very temperate day, 48 degrees, the expected high, and a 41 degree low in the overnight on Tuesday with increasing cloudiness. The sunrise today was at 626 a.m. It will set at 524 p.m. Actually, it will rise at 626 a.m. at this time. We're reading it before then. Uh, We will have 10 hours and 58 minutes of daylight, and the moon rise is at 437 p.m. and will set at 622 a.m. Heading to the front of the paper, where the lottery results and the news, of course, is kept. And we read the lottery results because somebody asked for them. If there's something you would like read to the blind or those who are print disabled, you can email us at info at audiblelocalledger.org and we will consider reading it. You can also call us at 508-539-2030 and we'll consider reading it. And if you miss any of the information that we share in our readings, you can always go to audiblelocalledger.org, and in the upper right corner is the Archived Readings tab. Click on that, and you'll have a week's worth of our newspaper readings to catch up on. There's a Literature tab as well. Click on that. You'll have a lot of entertainment that stays up there in perpetuity. And all of that is free for the blind and the print disabled at audiblelocalledger.org. Now, for the latest results to the lottery, we go to the MassLottery.com website because the Cape Cod Times goes to press way too early to to be giving you the latest results. And if you ask for them, you deserve those latest results. So for the numbers game of Thursday, February 22nd, yesterday's midday drawing numbers were 2262. That is 2262. Two in the midday drawing yesterday of the numbers game. Two, two, six, two. In the evening drawing last night of the numbers game for Thursday, February 22nd, the numbers were 4102. Evening drawing last night, numbers game, 4102. For Mass Cash last night, the numbers were 4, 7, 12, 17, and 31. And Lucky for Life rounds out our lottery results for Thursday, February 22nd with 2, 4, 6, 34, 47 with 8, the bonus number. Good luck to all who play. Remember us if you win. Back to the cover of the Cape Cod Times. 
We have no way to expand is the headline above the fold if there was such a thing in a digital newspaper. Growth at Industrial Park spurs plan for new Barnstable Fire Station by Heather McCarran. You've probably heard about bespoke clothing made to fit an individual's exact measurements, but what about bespoke fire trucks? Barnstable Fire Chief Chris Beale knows all about them. That's because the bays at the firehouse at 3249 Main Street are too small to fit the typical apparatus in use today. Vehicles that are longer, they're wider and taller by several feet than the vehicles which were used in 1935 when the station was built. When we bought a new ladder truck a couple of years ago, we had to specifically modify it to get the truck to fit our building, Beale said Wednesday. We have to buy custom. Custom meant paying an extra $60,000. It's just one of many shortcomings the Barnstable Fire Department deals with daily, but relief is on the horizon. On Tuesday, the Barnstable Fire District Prudential Committee voted to accept a recommendation by the Fire Station Building Needs Committee to build a new fire station serving the Barnstable Fire District. The district, which is one of five in town, covers about 14 square miles on the Cape Cod Bay side of Barnstable, including about 5,500 homes in Barnstable Village and Cumaquid, most of the Independence Park industrial development, and other industrial areas. Funding for architectural and engineering design work, which is as yet to be determined, will be sought at the annual Barnstable Fire District meeting on May 8th. That work will take about nine months, and building designs with cost estimates are expected to be presented to the district voters next spring. Feasibility study considered four options, reads the subheading. The recommendation for a new station is the result of a feasibility study, The Building Needs Committee recently completed looking at the fire department's present and future needs and various options for addressing them. The committee, which formed last fall, considered four options, according to Beale. Apart from a new building, those included remodeling the existing building, constructing a second satellite station, or constructing a single larger building to house both the fire department and the Barnstable Water Department and fire district offices. Estimated costs and land availability made the recommendation for a new station the preferred option. We're trying not to purchase land. We're trying to use the land we have, Beale said. One of the biggest problems with the current site, he said, is that the lot is just 0.27 acres, and the 10,000-square-foot firehouse takes up 0.26 of those acres. At the back of the station, I think we have maybe a foot, he said. We have no way to expand. The paragraph Heading reads, a new modern fire station on Finney's Lane. The Building Needs Committee proposes demolishing the 2,000-square-foot Barnstable Water Department office structure, which was built in 1940 at 1841 Finney's Lane, and then replacing it with a new modern fire station to serve the residents and guests of the Barnstable Fire District for the next 50 years. Then the Water Department and district offices would take over, the existing fire station. This would include repurposing a portion of the building as an 1,800-square-foot, first-floor community space for annual district meetings, village functions, and other community uses. We're going to try to convert three of our apparatus bays into a community space, Beale said. Moving operations to Finney's Lane would provide ample space to meet the fire department's needs, with about two and a half acres to build a station that can house the fleet of vehicles and boats, plus existing staff and anticipated staff additions. They're looking to address space and safety 
problems, is the next paragraph heading. At present, the station on Main Street doesn't comply with the accessibility standards of the Americans with Disabilities Act. It lacks adequate room for additional staffing and presents firefighter safety issues. As it is, Beale said, we keep a number of our vehicles and apparatus outside. Some apparatus are also kept off-site in a garage at the Cape Cod Cooperative Extension Farm on Route 6A, but it has seasonal limitations. Since the garage isn't heated, the department can't store vehicles that are holding water there when it's cold because the water freezes. And space is also at a premium inside the station's bays. There's not a lot of room between the trucks, and we don't have good space to work on our trucks. Our mechanics have to work outside, Beale said. The lack of spaces means all gear is stored in the apparatus bay. We don't have what they call hot, warm, and cold zones as far as the station goes for keeping our dirty gear where it needs to be, he said. Keeping dirty gear separated is an important safety issue, according to the International Association of Firefighters, since toxins can contaminate storage, working, and living areas and other gear. Locker room and sleeping space are another concern. We're maxed out on bunker rooms for the guys to sleep, Beale said. Moreover, some of the presently all-male staff has overflowed into the locker room that would usually be designated for female staff members. There are 17 lockers in the men's locker room, and we have 21 men on the force, Beale said. With a department responsible for covering three courthouses, the county's headquarters, and most of the still-growing industrial park that's already home to Cape Cod potato chips, Shepley Wood Products, Home Depot, BJ's Wholesale Club, and the Vineyard Wind substation, he said it's also of growing importance to keep staffing up to par. This need is upheld by studies the fire district has conducted over the last few years. Now, Beale said, there are five people assigned per shift. In the next three to five years, we need to convert to at least six on a shift, he said. And that's based on what we know is going to be built in the industrial park. There'll be more coming out soon regarding open houses and informational sessions, fire officials said. Heather McCarran writes about climate change, environment, energy, science, and the national world, in addition to news and features in Barnstable and Brewster. The next headline reads, Former Mashpee Youth Sports Leader, Charged with Stealing from the League by Rachel Devaney. From Boston Celtics tickets to sports memorabilia, former president and treasurer of Mashpee Youth Baseball and Softball, Dana Snyder, has been accused of using organizational funds to purchase items for personal use, according to Captain Tom Rose of the Mashpee Police Department. The league had an account that he was using like it was his own, said Rose. He basically had his hands in the cookie jar. Snyder was charged with larceny over $1,200, embezzlement, money laundering, and receiving stolen property over $1,200 on February 7th, according to the Falmouth District Court Clerk's Office. According to Rose, Mashpee Police pulled warrants for Snyder, and he willingly turned himself in and was arraigned on February 7th. Officers conducted a search of his residence, also on February 7th, said Rose, and seized items that are believed to have been purchased with stolen and embezzled funds. Snyder was released on $3,000 cash bail, according to the court clerk's office. A pre-trial hearing will be held on April 30th. Snyder told the Times on Thursday he had no comment regarding the allegations. Since an investigation into 
Snyder's alleged crimes was opened in July of 2023. Current president of Mashpee Youth Baseball, Christopher Losh, said he's been watching organization finances like a hawk. Only a few people have access to the money, said Losh, who reported Snyder to the police in July of 2023, according to Rose. We're making sure everything is accounted for, said Losh. What are the alleged use of those funds? While Snyder's alleged crimes are still under investigation, Rose said police suspect that Snyder used Mashpee Youth Baseball's account to make a personal mortgage payment, buy sports memorabilia, Boston Celtics tickets, gardening equipment, and groceries. We're waiting for subpoenas to confirm additional items, said Rose. Snyder, who was treasurer and president of Mashpee Youth Baseball, decided to step down from his position because of personal reasons in April of 2023, and Losh took over, said Losh. The duo worked together for about a month to prepare for the leadership transition, said Losh. After examining the account at that time, Losh said he noticed discrepancies. The board, said Losh, discussed what they should do about Snyder's alleged crimes and decided to report the findings to police and the police decided to move forward with the investigation, said Losh. During his time with Mashpee Youth Baseball, Losh said Snyder did a lot for the organization. We didn't wish any, we don't wish any ill feelings at Mr. Snyder, said Losh. It's saddening and unfortunate that this happened. The board, Losh said, is moving forward with honest integrity and transparency and strength, he said. We have a lot of great minds on our board. Great people with great ideas, said Losh, who has been a volunteer with the organization for about seven years. We plan to show the community that we're committed to the kids and their families, he said. Losh said he will remain president for the long haul and said the organization has lost many players to soccer, lacrosse, and other sports in recent years, and he hopes to change that. Mashpee, he said, will upgrade Heritage Park, where Mashpee Youth Baseball's playing home games. Losh hopes additional stadium seating and a concession stand can be added in the future. The last day to sign up for Mashpee Youth Baseball Sports is February 29th, according to the organization's website. We want to be a place where kids want to play baseball and where the parents are proud that their kids are playing baseball, said Losh. For Losh, who is a network engineer by trade, Mashpee Youth Baseball teaches children how to work as a team and offers camaraderie. Baseball can teach kids there's more out there than YouTube videos and Xbox, he said. With six current board members and two non-voting board members, Losh said the organization is still looking for a treasurer and additional board members. We don't do this for ourselves, we do this for the kids, he said. We want to make Mashpee Youth Baseball something great again. From the Cape and Islands section... Town says Buzzards Bay Road upgrades will better protect pedestrians by Paul Gately as a special to the Cape Cod Times. In Buzzards Bay, come summer, motorists leaving Cranberry Highway and heading down the hill eastbound to Main Street at Academy Drive may want to slow down. The gateway to the village business district should be more inviting and safer for pedestrians, town officials have said. Thus, a $507,000 improvement project for the Main Street an Academy Drive intersection will get underway once the nearby Massachusetts Maritime Academy concludes its June graduation weekend. The Public Works proposal represents another major investment at Main Street's West End. The stretch is the oft-described struggling area that the select board and other town officials hope will flood with commuters one day, 
hopping weekday trains to Boston and creating a transit hub. Town engineering technician Tim Lydon says the town gateway project is ambitious, necessary, and designed to assure more pedestrian safety features. The area accommodates motorists, students, and employees headed to and from the college, boaters to Taylor's Point Marina, residents to 150 homes on Taylor's Point, and visitors. The intersection also services U.S. Army Corps of Engineers headquarters and a restored train station and nearby access to the Cape Cod Canal. Restaurants and shops are in the area. What's planned for the upgrade? Project highlights include better motoring sight lines, more pedestrian visibility, and expanded sidewalks to help protect pedestrians and reduce speeding vehicles. Two crosswalks will be widened into one, with a texturized surface providing drivers with a visible warning to reduce speed. This remains an imperative given that wandering pedestrians in designated sidewalks now are often imperiled by motorists when the signal light at Academy Drive flashes green. The select board is enthusiastic, providing getting it right support for an area that's transitioning. With two reservations, board member Jared McDonald says speed is an ongoing problem with motorists leaving Cranberry Highway and entering a reduced speed area at Main Street. And board member Peter Mayer said enhanced lighting should be added to the project if only to help protect restaurant patrons departing the area at night. Board Chair Mary Jane Mastrangelo says lighting could be added to the town's five-year capital spending plan. What will the project cost? The estimated construction cost compiled by environmental partners totals $325,300. The additional proposed scope of work brings that cost to $507,231. Leiden says part of the basic cost would be paid with a $200,000 State Department of Transportation Shared Streets and Spaces grant. The town is responsible for the remaining $125,000. The select board on February 13th also approved a town public works request to tap $188,000 in State Chapter 91 funds to help with additional scope of work expenses. Mastrangelo says the town's overall Chapter 91 account will not be adversely impacted. In a February 14th email, she said there were there was $1,854,290 in available Chapter 90 funds, which would leave $1,666,290 in that account available after the latest Main Street funding approval. There are project add-on aspects. The Public Works Department, meanwhile, has calculated additional project features. Working in conjunction with the Engineering Department and Design Consultant, multiple items are identified beyond the minimum scope of the project that will improve the aesthetics and the stormwater management of the intersection, Public Works Director Matt Sawicki advised the Select Board on February 13th. This, he said, includes decorative pavement for the intersection, which will be visually appealing, but additionally act as a traffic calming measure. Other features include sidewalk bump-outs, and the existing Main Street grading will create drainage issues at the east end of the project and at the Canal Street intersection. Milling and relaying the pavement in these areas will alleviate these concerns, so Wiki noted. Foundations for future streetlights are also part of the package. Installing the infrastructure for decorative lighting at this time will eliminate the need to disturb the sidewalk for future lighting projects in the downtown area, Sawicki said. 
Reinstallation of the brick inlays now found on Main Street will keep the area consistent with the existing sidewalks. Why is the project important? Overall, Public Works' investment in the area is not new. Included is a $2 million park and playground, re-roof and painting of the historic Spanish-style train station, reconstruction of the nearby Cohasset Narrows Bridge, and upgrade of the neighboring train trestle. Town officials have supported workforce housing initiatives and transit-oriented zoning plans near the train station. Bourne is one of dozens of communities in Massachusetts being impacted by a new state law requiring more multifamily zoning because they're next door to communities with commuter rail stations. Leiden says the improvement project started as a 2020 study by the Beta Group. The town commissioned the report to evaluate traffic operations and safety at the intersection. This was done in two parts. Part 1 evaluated the overall workings of the intersection, including infrastructure, such as existing signal equipment, conditions, and traffic operations, Leiden noted in a February 16th email. Part 2 evaluated sidewalk and accessible ramp conditions in the area of the intersection and their compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act and Massachusetts Architectural Access Board regulations, he noted. There is very little local news in today's Cape Cod Times. We've read it all for you. So we are going to move to the obituaries in this half-hour reading of the Cape Cod Times for Friday, February 23rd of 2024. The first obituary in today's Cape Cod Times is of Mary J. Gilmore of South Yarmouth, who passed on February 16th. She was born May 19th of 1933 and was raised in Quincy, She became an educator in the Weymouth School District and taught there for many decades. In the 70s, Mary was the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association. Much later in life, Mary retired and moved to the Bass River area on Cape Cod, where she enjoyed reading, traveling, watching politics, and staying very active with the MTA. Mary will be missed by many and will always be remembered. No services are listed. The next obituary is of Carol Robertson Woodruff of Barnstable, who at the age of 87 passed on Friday, February 16th. She was born in Brighton, Massachusetts on February 11th, 1937, and graduated from Brighton High School in 1954, attending Fisher Junior College. She went on to work at IBM for 25 years, and it was there that she met her husband, Donald. The two married in 1977 and welcomed daughter Sarah later that year. She and Don moved to Needham in 1978, where they lived for the next 35 years, retiring to Barnstable in 2013. She was the proud and loving nanny to Grace and Elise and treasured every minute that she spent with them. Carol is survived by her loving husband, Don, and many who will miss her dearly. A memorial service and celebration of life will be held this spring with interment at Evergreen Cemetery in Brighton. Casper Funeral and Cremation Services is handling the arrangements. The final obituary in the Cape Cod Times of Friday, February 23rd, is of Joy Hendrickson Riley of Mashpee, who passed on Tuesday, February 20th. She was born December 6th, 1940, in Bayshore, New York. She married her high school sweetheart, Alan Hendrickson, and their 37-year union yielded three wonderful children. Joy and Alan lived throughout New England and California following Allen's business career. 
Joy relished the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mother and created lifelong friends in every community in which she lived. Having grown up in Bayshore, New York, they continued their long love of the ocean with boating and sailing trips to the Virgin Islands. And Joy was present at endless events for her children, screaming to root them on and embarrassing them to no end. Her family was her pride, and she celebrated the arrival of grandchildren with her husband, and quickly the phrase was born, What happens at Grandma's house stays at Grandma's house. After being a widow for seven years, Joy met a retired minister from Mashpee, Massachusetts, Reverend Roscoe Riley. Roscoe delighted her with his West Virginia roots and country charm, and they married in November of 2007. Joy and Roscoe lived on a lake in Cape Cod, where she spent the remaining 17 years of her life. Nothing gave her more happiness than having her grandchildren visit. Joy and Roscoe had a 77-step staircase that led to the lake shore, and Joy would bait and remove endless fish hooks, sneak down cookies, and was the designated popsicle person heading up and down 154 steps when her grandkids wanted a treat on a hot summer afternoon. She was selfless, kind, ever-loving, and giving, and she made a mean grilled cheese sandwich. Her legacy lives on via the family that she leaves behind. The family will receive guests at 10 a.m. tomorrow, Saturday, February 24th, at First Church Sandwich, UCC, 136 Main Street in Sandwich. The worship service will begin at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary. Reception details to follow. In lieu of flowers, a donation may be made in her name to the Cape Cod chapter of Habitat for Humanity. And that concludes the obituaries listed in today's Cape Cod Times of Friday, February 23rd of 2024. Keeping it local as we head into the final curve of our reading today, Bourne's Meda, or Meda, M-E-D-A, reaches 1,000th career point. Paige Meta scored 25 points in the first half for the Bourne girls basketball team and reached her 1,000th career point on three free throws in a 74-15 win over Martha's Vineyard on Wednesday. In other high school action in girls basketball, it was Dennis Yarmouth 42, Hull 20, Duxbury 44, Falmouth 22. In the high school roundup, Cape Cod Academy was 42, Falmouth Academy 30. In boys basketball, Martha's Vineyard 81, Bishop Stang 45, Dennis Yarmouth 61, Nosset 54. In girls hockey, it was Sandwich 4, Martha's Vineyard 3 in overtime, and it was Nosset 4, Bishop Fian 1. In boys hockey, Falmouth 2, Bishop Fian 0, it was Martha's Vineyard 6, Born 3. And St. John Paul II, 3, beat Dennis Yarmouth, Cape Tech, Cape Cod Academy, 2. And Nosset, 2, Plymouth North, 1. And rounding out our boys' hockey results, Needham, 5, Barnstable, 1. We'll close with a little bit of advice. Ask Carolyn. Dear Carolyn, my ex-wife asked for a separation in December of 2022, and we finalized the divorce in August, so it's not even been six months. I know it was for the best. We weren't happy, had a lot of issues we couldn't seem to work through. But I'm struggling after hearing my ex's feelings about it all. 
I recently saw her for the first time since we signed the papers, and she was just glowing with happiness. She assumed I felt the same way and was yakking on about what a relief it was to be single and dating and living alone and so on, and I, I just stood there pretending to agree, but inside I was numb from shock. Nearly five years of marriage, eight years together, and she's just so relieved it's over. No grief, no regret, nothing. Ever since that meeting, I've been so angry, and I feel like I need to get it out, but on the surface, she didn't do or say anything wrong. My feelings are what they are, though, which leaves me with no good place to direct those feelings. Can I at least email her about how callous she is, or do I need therapy, or or what? If I'm better off without her, then why is learning she's so happy post-divorce so hard for me? Signed, Divorce is Weird. Divorce is Weird. Yes, in the response, Divorce is Weird, your signature gets it right. So it's normal to have big, uncomfortable feelings that have no place to go. You don't really need an explanation beyond that for your anger. Getting our equilibrium after a divorce takes time, pain, a lot of mental sorting through old files, and lonely sessions with our faults and mistakes. And that's the best case, when the parting is amicable and we're big enough to accept our share of the blame. It is a fact of breakups and any form of loss that some people do their hard work in grieving as the loss is in progress. They're the ones who emerge from a wrenching breakup almost giddy with relief or who worry there's something wrong with them when they don't cry over a death or a big departure. It's not that people like this don't care. They pre-care. The way you describe your ex-wife, I'd say she's in that emotional camp, grieving before you even separated. And I'm guessing you're in the other camp, living more in the moment, so your grief and hard work clock started upon the fact of a loss. Nothing wrong with either emotional makeup. Each has advantages and disadvantages, Hers was harder then, and yours is harder now. And with that, we've come to the end of our reading of the Cape Cod Times for today, Friday, February 23rd of 2024. This is your reader, Eric, saying be well, be safe, look after each other. Bye for now.